0: Your mind without God is a mind that is on an emergency table. It needs to be shocked into truth, shocked into, into faith. It's, it literally needs to be revived. Your mind without God is leading you to death. It's leading you to destruction. It's leading you to bankruptcy emotionally, mentally, physically, but your mind with God is revived. It's delivered, it's healed, and it leads you to life and life more abundantly. going to spend a few minutes together today, and I'm going to talk about the power of a sound mind, the power of a sound mind, because we can do a lot of things and believe a lot of things and say a lot of things, but if we don't work on our thoughts, we will not be able to walk out the kingdom like we're called to. So if you have your Bible, you can turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, It will be on the screen, and if you didn't bring your Bible, do not worry God will judge you for that. No, that's, that's not. Okay, listen, I'm totally teasing. I'm totally teasing. The power of a sound mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Can we pray? Jesus, help. Amen. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish, strong, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How many of you today are in a battle? How many of you are facing something that you did not pick, you did not want? How many of you are going through something that is painful? It's confusing. How many of you are going through a big decision and you feel anxiety because the decision isn't made yet and yet you know you need to make it and you feel like you're battling between what's the right thing and is it a God thing or a good thing or I know all of us have been through battles. We have battles. I personally have battles. I think we as a society, having been through COVID and coming back outside of it and all the things that we've dealt with, you know, I know all of us have had a battle. In fact, I like to say, if you haven't had a battle, we want you to stand up. We want to beat you up right now. We just want to deal with it. You can have some of my battles. And if we had a cup of coffee, I would ask you what your battle is. And you would give me line by line, well, it's my boss and it's my spouse and, you know, the devil's in my spouse. I don't know. Just you would say all kinds of things. And you would say it's this and it's that. And yes, our battles are unique and they are personal. And we could spend a long time dissecting those battles. But I would like to suggest that each of us as men and women of God, we are in a battle that has a collective battle. And if we found that battle, not just in the spirit, but the battle that we are either going to win or lose is not in the battleground of our marriage, it's not in the battleground of our workplace, it's not in the battle of our parenting or our financial spreadsheet. The battle will be won or lost in our minds. That's what it says. Your mind is so critical, it needs time, it needs nurturing, it needs deliverance. And so we all have a unified battle, and the battle of our mind is where we will win or lose in this season. Now, listen, you don't know this, but I, I am married. I've been married. Uh, we celebrate our 18th anniversary on Monday, so we've been married for 18 years. I might have a photo of our family. There's our family. We've been happily married for 10, and uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That's not funny. Okay, and then uh, my we have four boys. Our eldest just turned 17. 15, 12, and 11. So I live with guys. I live with five guys. You could imagine, just begin to pray in the spirit for me because I live with five guys. Actually, I really love it because if a man is not okay, it's usually linked to like food, water, sleep, silence, being outside. Men are so uncomplicated. Like, I want you to know, I lived in a full female home, I have a mom, I have an identical twin sister, I have a full Italian dad who's almost a girl, and so we lived in this very, and I want you to know, living in a female home versus living in a male home, men, you are so simple, you are so uncomplicated, you are the clarity in the room, like, I love you, it's true. I can go down the list. Have you eaten? Have you hit someone? Have you, no, I'm teasing. Ha, ha, what have you done? And if a girl is not okay, and you as their loving spouse says, are you hungry? She goes, what do you think? I'm, you think I'm hungry? Because are you, are you exhausted? Do I look tired? It's, and, and honestly, it's because she doesn't know what's wrong. You get to go on a journey to figure out what is wrong together. So you know what I'm talking about, right? I remember when I got home, when I first got married, in girl world, we would say, hey, how you doing? And in girl world, you would ask it once. And if we care, we ask twice. Just so you know, all you husbands, I'm going to give you a secret. All you boyfriends, I'm going to give you a secret. With girls, we ask one time, how you doing? And that doesn't mean we really care. I'm sorry, I'm Californian. I'm just kind of honest, okay? So, but if we ask you twice, we'll go, okay, but like, seriously, how are you doing? And then we're like, well, honestly, I'm not okay. I'm just really, so I, I was used to that in my house. When I got home and asked my husband, how are you doing? And he goes, I'm fine. I was like, oh, we should talk. Tell me really how you're doing. He's like, I'm fine. I'm like, Oh, you're shut down. Let me go get my coffee. Let's talk. And finally, I said, are you sure you're okay? And he said, I'm not going to be okay if you keep asking me. I want you to know I'm not. So that's the uncomplicated part of a man, which I absolutely love. And um, so if I only ask you one time as a woman, I really don't care. Just say I'm doing great and let me go, okay? Because if you're the woman that says I'm not okay the first ask, we are nervous. You make people nervous, okay? Give them a chance. Okay, anyway. So I have these four boys. I'm going to quickly go through this. So during COVID, our boys came home and I went to go get groceries one day. And when I came home, my third son, Grayson, who's the blondie, he's kind of intense. He, um, he's laying on the floor playing with his iPad. And I, uh, I said, Hey, Gray, how you doing? He goes, I'm, I'm good, Mom. I said, Great. Pretty quiet in the house. All of a sudden, my phone rings. I pick up my phone and I see it's my eldest son, Judah. So as I pick up the phone, I'm like, wait, they're in the house. This is, we're on lockdown. Why is he calling me? And I pick up the phone, and he says, Mom, Grayson has locked all of us in the, in the closet, and we can't get out. We've been, I'm not the closet, excuse me, the office, and we've been here for an hour because I, I wasn't answering my phone. And so you have to understand that we renovated our our, a little balcony off our bedroom and we made it into an office, but we didn't take off the doors. So you can go through out and then lock and there's these glass doors. So Grayson had for the last hour, uh, he just needed me time. He had been <laughs> spending some time and they were upstairs. By the time I walked up there, the glass doors were fogged up. They were shirtless. They had, it was just a whole thing. And when I walk up there, I go to open the door to say, hey, and they push past me and they are running for grace and to teach grace in a nice little lesson, right? How many of you know the laying on of hands, a little bit of like, hey, we love you. Don't ever do that again. As I'm looking at the mind today, I'm thinking about how all of us have a battle. There are thoughts, there are mindsets that we think are no big deal. But when we are in crisis, when we are in Fatigue, when we are in frustration, when we are not battling, there are things that are coming that can hurt us, take us out if we don't deal with it. If you get married and your thought is, I don't know if this is the right one, and you put it away in the upstairs office and you start having babies and you're picking up the wedding dress, you have the babies, you're starting, and then all of a sudden that thought is coming. It's coming when financial challenges come, or maybe your old fling reaches out to you, and all of a sudden you're like, why is this such a battle? And I want to say, because you never dealt with what was up in the office long ago. You now have created a a whole thing about you married the wrong one, which I don't know about you, but I think we all marry the wrong one because we don't even know what we're marrying. Can I be honest? The Bible says that two shall become one. I thought it was going to be me, and I was so disappointed. (laughs) If you don't deal with it, it doesn't go away. It will defeat you eventually if you think God is not good, God doesn't show up, God doesn't heal, God doesn't save, God doesn't have a plan, and we've put it upstairs, it will come at the, at the point where it will defeat us, not because it's bigger at the time, but because it's grown bigger as we've left it alone. You see, your mind without God is at war with God. This is important. I would not have known this as a church girl. I would have thought your mind could be on neutral. I'm just on it. I'm just neutral. I'm laid back. No, the Bible does not say that our mind is neutral. It says that we are at war with God if we do not have the mind of Christ. In fact, Romans 8, 7 through 8 says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Colossians 1.21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your what? Minds. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That word alienated in the, in the, in the amplified is a strange and hostile-minded towards God, you see. Without God, your mind is dominated by two things. You're dominated by the enemy, and you're dominated by selfishness. What's in it for me? What's what's gonna? What, I mean, really, you have to be aware that your mind is not is not what peace, love, dove. It is like me, 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 me. So, without God, your mind is like a junior hire. And if you're in a junior high, I'm sorry. That's the best analogy I had. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Blinded the minds of unbelievers. Without God, our minds are hostile. They are blinded to who God is. They are powerful for either good or evil. And then it says in Proverbs 16, 32, a man who leads his own mind is more powerful than he who captures a city. This is, you guys, this is God saying, I don't care how big your company is. I don't care how much money you make, I don't care how many people have been saved through your ministry, I don't care if you are, you know, you think you're powerful because you can solve it, you can do it, you can heal it, what, this, we will find out how powerful you are by how you lead your mind. Anybody who has sabotaged their life, it didn't start out by a quick thought. People that have had moral failures in ministry, in leadership, people that have done, have embezzled money, have hurt people. It doesn't start out with an impulse. It starts out with a thought. And that thought is unchecked. It's unchallenged and it's not. Listen, I remember the Lord saying to me this word. You need to take your thoughts to trial. Take your thoughts to trial, and what that means is you go into the court of the kingdom and you say, is this what you think, God? Is this what you said? Is this real, or is this not serving you? And you have to decide, Is this does this get to hang out in me, in my mind, just because my mom thought it, my grandmother thought it, my culture thought it, my church thought it, or is this really a thought that's serving you? You see, I think a good thought can also be against a God thought. We assume that God thinks a certain way rather than asking the Holy Spirit what he's really thinking and what he really wants to do. So what does it look like to have the mind of Christ? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I love that. How do we how do we get over a spirit of fear? We it comes from the love of God, the power of God and a sound mind. And the in the Greek, sound mind is really cool. It means to be saved, delivered, something that has been rescued, revived, salvaged and protected and is now safe and secure. Your mind with God is delivered, rescued and revived. Your mind with God is delivered, rescued, and revived. How do we know this? Because in the Greek, it depicts a person who is on the verge of death, but then was revived and resuscitated because new life was breathed into him. Your mind without God is a mind that is on an emergency table, it needs to be shocked into truth, shocked into, into faith. It's It literally needs to be revived. Your mind without God is leading you to death. It's leading you to destruction. It's leading you to bankruptcy emotionally, mentally, physically, but your mind with God is revived. It's delivered. It's healed, and it leads you to life and life more abundantly. So your mind... Without God is delivered, rescued, and revived. It says this, Rick Renner says this so well. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Can I just say this? We will deal with fear. Fear's normal. We should have fear about certain things. We should, you know, if you don't have fear about certain things, then you're dangerous. So an emotion of fear is not what he's talking about. There's a feeling of fear and there's a spirit of fear. And a spirit of fear is when whatever we face, fear gets the final word rather than God gets the final word. I'm nervous about my teenager, but God, you get the final word about him, right? But if we say, no, it's not true. It's never going to happen. It's never going to work out. Then you have a spirit of fear over your future, over your family, and over your life. So it says it very clearly He has given us the mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security that is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. This is my third point. Your mind, aligned with God, is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. Your catastrophic thinking is not the mind of Christ. That's right. Don't look around. Your catastrophic thinking is not the mind of Christ. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks, so he is. So how do we know how to how to edit what's in our mind? I call it kind of like a mind audit. How do we figure out what thoughts are good and what thoughts are not good? And how do we begin to take authority over those things by renewing our mind. Well, the first question, I have three questions. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. What is the story I'm telling myself? What is the story I'm telling myself? It's a great way to know what you're thinking about. What is the story I'm telling myself about me, about my family, about my culture, about my finances, about my future, about that person? What is the story I'm telling myself? Second, who is controlling my mind? Who's in control of my thoughts? Now, here, this is important. You will have thousands of thoughts. I, I, I know that it's under 100,000, but I believe it's like 69,000 thoughts every single day that come your way. And most of those are, they're basically unsupervised thoughts. They just come unsupervised. And so what's really critical is that when we take that thought that we have, we need to understand that not all thoughts are ones that we want to keep. It's almost like waves in the ocean. Which wave are you going to ride? The waves keep coming. I'm a parent. I got four boys. I got waves of like what's it like raising a boy in this culture? How are they going to hurt each other? You know, is this is this going to be bad? You know, I have all these waves and then I have to go God's got a plan. I'm going to ride that wave to the beach. And I get to choose what one. Some of us think that God's gonna come in and control our thoughts. Can I just say something if you're new in the Lord and you don't know this? God does not control our minds. He wants us to have a free will, which means he wants us to stay powerful in the relationship. So God doesn't intervene and go, all those thoughts are done. Now, listen, they lose their power and authority, but but he is the Bible says that our job as believers are to renew the mind. It's not God's job to kick out your thoughts. It's your job. It's not my job to audit your thoughts. It's your job to audit your thoughts and to figure out what's going on. And so Jesus replied, oh, the third question is this. First, what story am I telling myself? Second, who's, who's controlling my mind? Who's in control of my thoughts? And then what conversations are you having in your mind? Did you know that they did a study on women, and the main thing that women think about is past conversations. I, I, you guys know I can tell you what men think about, but I'm in church. But one of them was sports, so I do want to say that. One of them was sports. Oh, look it up. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, Jesus said, these are the words of Jesus. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Good. Isn't it interesting that Jesus wanted us to know that you don't have to be dumb to love God. I like love this. In fact, in the Greek, that word is intellect. Some of us act like when we come to Christ or we're people of faith, that we just got to be loving and dumb. And yet what God is saying is, no, 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 you don't dismiss your intellect. You don't dismiss your logical fact fight. You don't dismiss all that. You surrender that to him and love him through that. We're not asking you to deny the facts. We're just asking you to not let the facts have the final word because truth supersedes fact. And so truth, what God says, is what actually gets to be elevated in our lives. So we don't ignore the facts. That's delusional. We don't want you ignoring the facts. We don't want you to go, I'm not going to pay that bill. That that bill's not real. That bill's not real. We're like, you're going to need some medication. Like, we love you. They're like, James Rivers said my bill's not real. Like, we want you to know that's a lie. And we are not going to stand by you when you say that, okay? This is what I'm saying is you don't let that thing dictate your future. You take that thought, I don't know how I'm gonna pay this bill, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I see it, this is the fact. But I'm going to take it to trial to God and say, okay, God, you said you'll supply all my needs. You said that that even the sparrow has a place to lay his head. You're going to give me divine dis- dis- direction, divine uh, 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 creative ways to solve this thing and to figure it out. And even if I have to sacrifice or it's going to get a little dark before it gets light, you said I can walk through the valley of the shadow and I will fear no evil, which means I don't just plop you out of the dark seasons. I walk with you in the dark seasons." Why is that important? Because God wants you to surrender not just your heart and your soul, but your intellect, your mind. Romans 12 2 says this, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Can we just say right now that the world has some superficial customs and values? Listen, if you are 18, 19, 20, 21, and you are in a college that is not a faith college, or you are in high school, can I just say something to you? The enemy has been setting you up for superficial customs and values, and they are feeding you lies to get you to buy into the culture that it's all about you. It's not gonna matter. There's not gonna be any regrets. And what we are trying to tell you is is that God has a way and a way of living that leads to life and life abundantly. You have, listen, I don't care if they're in authority. If they're telling you something that is contrary to the word of God, you can in your heart and in your mind and sometimes out of your mouth say, no, I'm not going to buy into that. I can't just, I can't go into the bedroom with someone and it not touch my soul and spirit. That's a lie. Come on. I can't just do whatever I want and ask forgiveness and it's fine. No, no, no. No, no. The reason God ever had a no in our lives, this is important, this is free, it wasn't part of the message. The reason God has a no is never about control. It's always about protection. The reason God created marriage is not so he could control us, and, you know, control marriage and you have your, you know, spouse and he's, no, and he says, do not have intimacy without being married is because he knew how powerful it was. It needed a covenant of protection around it. God isn't anti those things. He just says, listen, you're, you are human. You don't understand the power that happens with the body, soul, spirit, all the things that are happening. So we want to put it in a protective place so that you can say yes to all those things, but with the protection of a father. That's why. So why is this important? It says, but be transformed and progressively changed. Listen, if you've been in the Lord for 10, 20, 30 years, you should be progressively changing. I love you, but if your wife is progressively changing and you are not, she's not going to be in heaven saying, well, you know, he did the best he could. If you're a teenager and you're coming into adulthood and you go, well, my my parents love God. No, no, no. If you are are an adult, God doesn't go, well, your parents were pastors, so you get to be, you know, we love you. You're amazing. No, he says, you will stand by me by yourself and I will ask you how you lived your life. That shouldn't be fear-driven. That should be faith-driven because he sees that you can do life with him. And that's cool. So why is this important? It says, As you spiritually mature by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Some of us, we don't need altar calls. We need to go to work on our minds. Don't look around. I'm just saying, some of you want someone to pray you out of a problem, and I'm like, no, you need to renew your mind out of that problem. And that's your responsibility. And, and it's not your pastor's responsibility. It's not your spouse's responsibility. It's not your parents' responsibility. It's yours to say, I'm gonna take that thought to trial to say, is this really what God thinks and says over my life? We don't renew our minds to think good thoughts. This is important. We don't do the kobe-kole, think good thoughts. gonna be amazing. No, no, this is so cool. Why do we renew our mind? This is really important. You don't wanna miss this. We renew our mind, you renew your mind so you can know God's will. That's really critical. If you don't know what to do in the battle that you're facing right now, renew your mind. If you don't know what to do about your kid or about your work or about your boyfriend, renew your mind. Because if you begin to take your thoughts to trial and begin to renew your mind in God, you're gonna know if he wants you to marry, break up, unfollow, start it, leave it, whatever, you're gonna know. Some of you want to know what God has for you, and I'm saying, don't ask me what God has for you. Renew your mind, because he'll tell you what he has for you. Because even if he told you what it is, if your mind is not renewed, then your mind has no faith, no hope, no love, no belief. And so I can tell you God wants to do this, and all of your unbelief, fear, anxiety, shame, blame will end up dominating that will to where it will be so powerless in your life it won't matter. So why is this important? We as a church, James River, we have been going after healing. And what I love about it is, I shouldn't even say it that way. I want to say that God has interrupted this environment with some radical healings. And I'm amazed. I mean, I, don't, I hope you understand that. Like, This isn't something that God is, we've been trying to make happen. No, no. There has been humility. There has been, I just want you to know, there has been an openness to God, do whatever you want to do. And he has used all kinds of people. This isn't one person doing all the things. It's the church praying for the church, believing for healing, seeing it, documenting it. God is doing something really special in, our, in this church. I say our church because I want to be a part of your church. I, want, I want, This is my church, okay? But if we don't renew our mind around what healing looks like, if we don't renew our mind about what God really said of the Bible and what he actually said was possible, it doesn't matter how many testimony videos we show. It doesn't matter how many medical documents that we show. If you don't know the word, then your, then your fact finding will choke out the truth of what's really happening. Now, listen, that's not judgment. I'm telling you, you've never been here before. So take all the time you need to hear from God. Take all the time you need to search him out, to believe for healing, to see it. I'm telling you, anyone that's had healing or had anything happen, they'd be happy to talk to you because they're not in some back room. They're in our room. They'll tell you because God is initiating something beautiful in our environment. So we go, we go to work with our minds so we renew the mind so we know the will of God for our lives because the power of our thoughts determine our destination. Ephesians 4.23 says, and be continually renewed in the spirit of the mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. My last point is, your current thoughts are perfectly designed to deliver your current outcome. Your current thoughts are perfectly designed to deliver your current outcome if you don't like how life is going, don't change your city, don't change your church, don't change your spouse, change your thoughts. If you don't think that you're you're dealing with anxiety and fear, and I understand that I have as well. I'm not saying that there are not medical reasons for that, but I'm saying we have to actually take our thoughts and say, if I don't change how I think, I'll never change where I'm going. I'll never change my relationships. I'll never change the things that God has called me to, delivering our outcome. The Bible says in James 1, 8, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Being double-minded in the Amplified, it says unstable and restless in all his ways. And then it goes on to say, he is restless in everything he thinks, in everything he feels, and in everything he decides. Why is that? Because you can't live in two worlds. Either God is good or he's not. Either God's got our future or he doesn't. Either God is for us or he's against us. That is how the kingdom works. And our minds, whether we think they're on neutral or they are not, our mind is picking a side each day. Our mind picks a side each day. And so if you are feeling restless, you feel restless. You go, I feel restless in my and my mind. I feel restless in how I feel about life. I feel restless about my decisions. Then I would challenge you that maybe your mind is trying to live in two places at the same time. And it's time to take your thoughts to trial and surrender them to Jesus Christ and say, "You get my thoughts. I want to finish with this." The last year was the hardest year of my life. I've had hard years. I mean, I've I had four C-sections in five years, you can imagine. Uh, We, 2008, we lost our home. We lost our house. We packed up, had to move to a new city, start a new job. I've had hard seasons, but last year was a really hard season because after I was on the road traveling, I travel in the fall, um, I started having some pain in my body. And you know, I've got a lot of other problems, but my problem with my body, my body's been very faithful to me. I started having this pain, and it went from a neck pain to a pinched nerve. Have you ever had a pinched nerve before? Anybody have a pinched nerve? I would like to say I've had four C-sections and a pinched nerve is worse. So if you think, if your spouse has mocked you for you being a wimp, you're not. I promise, I promise it's very painful. So I had this pinched nerve and it would not go away, week after week, month, to the point that I had had an open wound on my neck from heat packs, ice. I mean, everything I could do to get rid of this pain and it would not go away month after month after month. I finally, the pinched nerve went away. I had a, an MRI. I found out that I have stenosis in three parts of my neck and um, that I was just going to have to be in pain. That's just what it was going to be if I did physical therapy a couple times a week. And I was just tired. I was tired of being, have you ever had chronic pain? Chronic pain is, is horrible because you can't, it's a mind thing. You never know what tomorrow's going to look like. And so i had had some real victory. I'd, I'd had encounters and then prayed for healing the whole time. And I was weary. Have you ever been in a season when you're just weary? And you're like, I, I love you, God, but I, this pain is getting to me. So we live on this, we live on 20 acres of this land, which sounds awesome, but I don't know if we're really land people. It's a long story. But we live on this land and um, we have a riding lawnmower, a John Deere I love my riding lawnmower. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? it's amazing because you, everyone thinks you're working, but you're really sitting down. It's all, it's like one of my favorite things, right? It's like, honey, you take care of the kids. I'm going to mow the lawn. And then I put my headset in. I'm listening to my music. I'm sitting down. I'm on my, I can't, don't have to do anything. And I look like I'm winning the world. And my husband said, you can mow the lawn, but just can you tell the neighbors that you want to mow the lawn? Because it's embarrassing for me as a spouse to have you out mowing the lawn. So I'm out riding the lawn mower and I've got my headset in and all of a sudden, I begin to hear this song. Fear is not my future, you are. Right? And I'm, I'm hearing this song. Fear is not my future, you are. And I'm, and I'm, I'm singing. And, and you guys, all of a sudden, I realized that I felt like suffering was my future. I felt like pain was my future. And I'm, I'm an ordained minister. Like, I, I'm embarrassed to say that. That that's kind of how I thought about my life for a minute. Like, I was battling suffering was going to be it like I was just going to be in pain forever and I I wasn't going to get through this and I was so tired and I tried everything and I couldn't do it and I was overwhelmed and and he's singing fear is not my future and I'm 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 feeling all of it and the Holy Spirit said you think suffering is your future but it's not your future I'm your future And as I begin to ride this lawnmower, I have tears streaming down my face. I got my headset in and I am yelling at the top of my lungs, fear is not my future, you are. Pain is not my future, you are. Hope is not, hopelessness is not my future, you are. And just because I partnered with worship and I partnered with what God was saying about me, all of a sudden I felt the weight of that thought come off of me and all of a sudden I could see my future differently. And here's what I want to say to you. There are some thoughts that you are battling right now that are creating a reality in your life, and God wants to remove that thought as a stake in the ground so that you can ride your John Deere tractor thing, and you can begin to say, that's not my future. You are. My kids are not going to be prodigals forever. My pain is not going to be it forever. My my economy is not going to fall apart forever. This is not our—no, no, 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 no. That's, you know, that's a fact. There's some things. But truth speaks about our word. The mind of Christ partners with truth over facts.